Good morning, brothers and sisters. Great to be with you this morning. Great to sing with you like that. Thanks for singing to our Lord this morning together. Uh, It's really with great excitement and anticipation I ask you to open your Bibles and turn right in the middle of your Bible to the book of Psalms. And we are kicking off today a series that's going to carry us for the next three months or so as we walk through a really huge section of Scripture. We're not going to try to cover all 150 Psalms, but we're going to hit a few of them together and walk through this incredible book of Psalms in your Old Testament. So just find your place there, Psalm 1 is where we're going to start here in just a few minutes. If you don't own a Bible or you need a Bible, there's one in front of you in the seat pocket. Uh, That's our gift to you. You feel free to take that with you, and you can find your place there in the book of Psalms. Uh, Let me just begin this way uh, and ask this question. Personally, in your life, in moments of just overwhelming joy, uh, where do you go? Or how do you respond In moments of deep grief, those places we've all been at times, but in those moments of deep grief where you're not sure you can even go on another day, where do you turn? When your soul, and you know what I mean, your soul, and I describe it this way, when your soul feels thin, in other words, you're not sure because of all the weights of life and the pressures and the struggles and everything that's coming at you. You're not sure you're going to be able to bear it all. You're not sure you're going to be able to make it all. What do you do? When you're in one of those times, and we can all be real honest with each other and, and say it this way, when you're in one of those times that God feels distant, man, He's just light years away, what do you do in those times? When you realize that your soul is just so weary and you need to be revived and awakened and the affections of your heart are not for King Jesus like we just sang about, how do you respond in those times or maybe in those times when you're overwhelmed with sin and guilt or or even you're full of thanksgiving and you don't even know how to express it well, you can't even come up with words to communicate what's going on in your mind and heart, where do you go? What do you do? For centuries upon centuries, followers of Jesus Christ in times of joy, in times of fear, in times of thanksgiving, in times of loneliness, in times of depression, in times of anxiety, in times of celebration, in times of grief, have turned to the soul-reviving, worship-inspiring, heart-shaping, life-transforming book of Psalms. I mean, we have a legacy of centuries before us of your brothers and sisters who they wore a path through the book of Psalms. And maybe that's you. So as a church, what we're going to do over the next few months is we're going to wear a path through the book of Psalms and trust that over the next few months, God shapes our hearts and our thinking and our souls It's going to look like this. We're going to read through the book of Psalms together. We produced a reading guide for you. Uh, We have a paper copy that will be at the exits. You can pick one up. It will also be in our app. You can follow it like that. Uh, However, uh, I encourage you to follow along in the Psalms. They're going to be be geared around the the weekend teaching. It's not going to go, you know, one, two, three, four, five. It's not going to go that way. They're put together in themes, but you can follow this. Uh, Life groups are also going to be following this and come back together and be able to discuss the Psalms together. 
We're going to memorize some portions of Psalms. The reason we just uh, did Psalm 1 is we're going to encourage the church, us to memorize some portions of Psalms together to get those down into your heart. We want to be immersed in the book of Psalms for the next three months. Believing that coming out of that we will be a different people. Our view of God will be different. Our view of ourselves will be different. Our view of all of life will be different from the book of Psalms. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Psalms, and I'm going to ask a couple questions. But the Psalms were divinely inspired truth and originally given for the public worship of God in Israel. When you read the Psalms, you're reading a, an ancient, if you will, song book that was entrusted to the people of God, the nation of Israel. These were songs. They were sung in corporate worship. We know that the early church, 2,000 years ago, sang and prayed and taught the Psalms. In fact, Colossians 3.16, Paul says this, writing to the church at Colossae. says, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to the Lord. When you open up to the pages of the New Testament, you may not know this, but there is no Old Testament book that is quoted more than the book of Psalms throughout the New Testament. It just flows throughout the, book, the, the books of the New Testament. Jesus himself quoted no other book more than he quoted the book of Psalms. In fact, if you follow the life of Jesus and you read through the Gospels, there are times uh, throughout his life when he was stressed, when he was pressured, when he was triumphant, when he was thankful, when he was worshiping, whatever. And what came out of the heart of Jesus was the Psalms that he had memorized and he had meditated on. Let me give you a couple examples. After Jesus fed the 5,000, he quotes Psalm 78 directly. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas and a friend had turned his back on Jesus, Jesus refers to and quotes Psalm 41. When Jesus is on trial and he's questioned by Pilate, he refers to Psalm 110. When Jesus is before the religious leaders, he said, I, look, he refers to himself as the stone that the builders had rejected. Where did he get that from? The book of Psalms. When Jesus was on the cross, Breathing his last breath, he quotes Psalm 22 and Psalm 31. My God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? Where did that come from? That's a direct quote from Psalm 22. And even the last words of Jesus we have recorded, Luke 23, 46, Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, is a direct quotation from an Old Testament psalm. point is, the heart of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, the soul of Jesus was saturated with the psalm. So we're going to do the same. We're going to immerse ourselves in the Psalms over the next few weeks. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a great pastor, said this. I just love this quote. Here's what Spurgeon said about the Psalms. He says, in these busy days, it would be, the, it would be to the spiritual prophet of Christians if they were more familiar with the book of Psalms in which they would find a complete armory for life's battles and a perfect supply for life's needs. Here we have both delight and usefulness, consolation and instruction. I love this. For every condition there is a psalm. Spurgeon says no matter what situation you're going through, you will find a corresponding psalm to go along with your situation you currently find yourself in. Its breath of experience stretches from the jaws of hell to the gate of heaven. Isn't that great? Book of Psalms. 
So what I want to do is I want to give you kind of a big truth this morning that's going to steer us. We usually do this, and then this will kind of set the trajectory for the rest of the series. This is an introduction this morning, so it's going to feel a little different. We're not necessarily going to go through one passage. I'm going to try to set the trajectory and set up the upcoming messages uh, through the book of Psalms. But here's the big truth. Let's look at this together. We believe the Psalms, when read, taught, prayed, sang, and meditated on, powerfully shape our view of God, ourselves, and all of life. That's what we're hoping. That's our prayer for me. It's my prayer for you. It's our, is that over the next few months, we don't just learn facts. We don't just memorize, memorize a few verses. We don't just check a few boxes on a reading plan. Man, the book of Psalms begins to permeate our hearts and our souls and our minds and our thinking. And we are shaped by God. And our view of God, our view of ourselves, and our view of all of all right. So my aim this morning is just kind of stir your appetite a little bit, kind of stir you up and maybe create some desire to get into this book of Psalms together. I'm going to ask two questions. What, what are the Psalms? And then what is our attitude together as we approach, this, approach the Psalms of the next few months? What is our heart attitude going into the book of Psalms? So that's kind of what we're going to do this morning. Number one, what are the Psalms? Let me try to answer these quickly. Uh, the book of Psalms, if you don't know, is made up of 150 individual psalms. It's one book in your Old Testament, but it's made up of 150 smaller psalms. It's written by over seven human authors. Uh, David, King David, didn't write all the psalms. He wrote about 73 or is credited with 73 out of the 150. Asaph, the song leader in Israel, wrote some of them. King Solomon wrote a few of the psalms. Moses wrote Psalm 90. So it's over several authors of the psalms. Uh, the Psalms themselves, we know, are not just from a human author. The Psalms are from the very mouth of God. Now, we believe that of all of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, but the Psalms in particular, 2 Samuel 23, verse 1 and 2 says this, Now these are the last words of David, one of the psalmists. The sweet psalmist of Israel, verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was on my tongue. It's a great description of inspiration. So I want you to know when you read the Psalms and you get into some of this vivid language, the Psalms are not just an inspiring book. You know, you read it, you go, man, I'm ready to take on whatever. So the, books are, the, Bible, the, the Psalms are an inspired book, meaning from the very mouth of God. From the very mouth of God. Therefore, we believe that the Word of God has the power to transform your heart and mind and bury ourselves in this book. So we also know that the Psalms are poetic, and this is important. Some of you go, poetry? I don't read a lot of poetry. Well, the Psalms are poetry. They're written that way. Now, your English Bible tries to lay it out in such a way to illustrate that for you of the, of the meter and the rhythm and the imagery and all that's there. But the Psalms were originally sung. They're written as poetry. Why does that matter to you? Well, it matters this way. You're going to see a lot of figurative language in the Psalms as you read through these. You go, figurative language just sounds like an English class. What, what does all that mean? Well, let me give you some examples. You're going to come across some simile. Pastor Mike, I don't remember what simile means. All right, let me give you an example. As the deer pants for the flowing water brooks, so my soul longs for you, O Lord. In other words, he's using vivid imagery of this little fawn, this little deer, that's not just coming up to the water because it needs a little drink. The picture is longing because the fawn is about to die of thirst. And if it doesn't get that water, it's going to die. And David says, listen, that's the way I want my soul to be before God. 
Now, he could just say that. Or he could paint a picture that presses down into your heart and your mind. That's what the Psalms do. These glorious similar, they use metaphor, which means the, like, like this, for example, the Lord is my rock. Well, God's not granite. We know that. What does that mean, though? I'm going to use word pictures throughout to paint pictures so we understand the nature and the character of God. I'm going to use personification. Psalm 77 says, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Oh, we know water doesn't fear. What's the point? It's using personification to illustrate the nature of who God is. There's something else that's really important as you read the Psalms. You've got to know that you're going to be reading graphic, descriptive emotion. I mean, you're going to step into situations and you're going to read about David when he's running from Saul and how fearful he is. And he thinks the world is coming to an end. And you're going to read that and you're going to, you're going to be like you're stepping into the situation that he's in. And that's the point of the Psalms. But listen, you have to understand this. Because of that, there are some things you're going to read that are going to be descriptive, meaning they describe a situation, not prescriptive, in other words, go do this. That's important. Now listen. Because you're going to read some things in the Psalms and you're going to know, what is this all about? Let me give you an example. Ready? Psalm 18. David is writing and he says this. He says, I pursued my enemies and I overtook them. I did not turn back until they were consumed. Verse 42, then I beat them as fine as dust before the wind. I emptied them out as the mire of the streets. How about that? And it doesn't say go do, and like, go do likewise. So here's the point for you. Don't you get a little note card for your scripture memory and put it on the dash of your car from Psalm 18. And the first time somebody cuts you off in traffic, you say, I'm going I'm to crush you like dust in Jesus' name. It's not the way it works, see? Some things you read are going to be descriptive. It, it painfully and graphically, and watch this, very honestly describes some situations the authors are in. It doesn't necessarily mean, now you go do that. Poetry. You understand that? Psalms are also instructive. We learn much from the Psalms. Martin Luther said, The Psalms are a little Bible, meaning wherein everything contained in the entire Bible is beautifully and briefly comprehended in the Psalms. Almost everything the Bible deals with broadly, the Psalms seems to touch on somewhere. Nature of God, nature of man, Revelation, God revealing Himself, sin, confession, repentance, marriage, family, the resurrection, the coming Messiah, leadership, parenting, finances, the atonement, forgiveness, personal relationships, all that, loneliness, depression, discouragement, all that's dealt with in the Psalms. And truth is given to us. We are instructed on how to think and feel and see in those certain situations. All of that's in the Psalms. I just got to tell you, pastorally speaking, as our elders have prayed through this series going in, I want to kind of take it to the next level, and I want you to understand what really, and I said this earlier, but what is the desire of this series? And a couple things, and you can write these down if you want, but the Psalms also, the Psalms are shaping of our view of God. 
And I can't stress this enough that the Psalms were originally given as a, as a worship book. They were originally given as a song book for the corporate and public worship of God's people. And I don't just mean shape your worship when you come in here every Sunday. That's part of it. That's an overflow of what God's doing in your heart throughout the week. It shapes your view of God. The Psalms are given that God reveals Himself in the book of Psalms to shape our view of Him. Let me give you some examples. Psalm 99 says, The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all peoples. Let them praise your holy and awesome name. Holy is he. Psalm 18, David writes when he's again fleeing from Saul. He says, the Lord is my rock and my refuge and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. Verse 3 says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved or I'm delivered from my enemies. Listen, the Psalms are a gift to you, and I'll just give you a couple of samples, names of descriptions of God in the Psalms. You'll, you'll find this. It says, God is a shield, to the, He is a shield, and the one who lifts my head. Ever need somebody to lift your head? The Psalm says, That's God who does that. He is the righteous God. He is the God who hears. He is the God who takes no pleasure in wickedness. He is the Lord most high. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, unchanging. He is revealed in the Psalms as the sovereign ruler of heaven and earth. He is the helper of the fatherless and the widow. In Him is fullness of joy. He is my light and my salvation. Shield, rock, king, judge, refuge, fortress, avenger, creator, healer, protector. To Redeemer, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Psalm 23 alone. You say, I think I know that one. I've heard that one. That one about the shepherd or something. Yeah, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 23 alone has no less than 10 vivid descriptions of the character of God. In Psalm 23 alone, we see him as our shepherd. We see him as our provider. I shall not want. Why? Because he is my ultimate provider. He is my peace. He makes me lie down by streams of water. He makes me dwell in these green pastures. What what does that mean? A sheep does not lay down and rest unless its soul is at peace. And it's that shepherd's job to take that little sheep and provide a place of peace that it will lay down and rest. That's what God does to our soul. He is our peace. He is our restorer of our soul. You you guide me in paths of righteousness. You restore my soul for your name's sake. He is present. He is the God of my sanctification. He holds our future in our hands. All of that's revealed. That's just one Psalm, Psalm 23, and that's not even all that's there. What's the point? The point is this. No matter where you are in your journey, whether you're considering this thing called Christianity or you've been a believer for 50 years your view of God is very narrow and very thin and God is much greater and bigger than you can even imagine 
And the book of Psalms is given to us to approach in reverence and to approach with excitement and joy and celebration. But it is to be approached humbly because Psalm 50 says this, God speaking, he says, you thought that I was just like you. God's not just like you. He's much greater, much more glorious. The prayer is that as we walk through Psalms, your view of God will be stretched and the backside of your understanding of God will just be blown out to bring you to worship and repentance and joy and fruitfulness and prosperity and life. Eugene Peterson had a great, great quote just to kind of take this point a little further. Let me just read this quote. Eugene Peterson says this, and this is true for all of us. He says, left to ourselves, we will pray to some God who speaks what we like hearing. Meaning we'll create our own God if we're not careful. Uh, and we'll pray to the part of God we can manage and understand. Or manage to understand. In other words, all right, I got Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. That's about all I want. He's my shepherd. That's all I need. No, it's not. Much more of God than that. But what is critical is that we speak, pray, to the God who speaks to us and to everything that he speaks to us. In other words, not your little small view of God, the way God has revealed himself to you in the pages of Scripture and particularly the Psalms. God, would you shape our view of you? God, you're not like us. God. The prayer is that it will shape your view of God. And I'll just say this. This is where it gets painfully practical. You realize everything in your life right now at this very moment, your relationships, your finances, your decision-making, your plans, the way you spend money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, everything in your life ultimately reveals your view of God. How are you approaching that relationship right now? Reveals your view of God. How you're spending your money right now ultimately reveals your view of God. So God, as we approach this, Lord, would you shape our view of you? It's one of the goals. Secondly, and this is not only shaping our view of God, but shaping our view of all of life. Man, this is so important. Another commentator named Alec Motier said this, talking about shaping our view of life. He said, the power of the Psalms is that alongside every possible life situation, we see a rich understanding of the greatness of God. The Psalms are immeasurably helpful in that every feature and circumstance of life is transmitted into the Lord's presence and put in the context of what is true about Him. What does that mean? That means you walk through every life situation that is, that is cataloged in the book of Psalms, who God is is dropped right down in the middle of that situation. Because you cannot see a situation rightly or deal with any situation in your life rightly if you don't have a right view of God. So the Psalms deals with all of life's situations, and in the middle of it drops down, who is God, the character of God. Let me give you a couple examples of this quickly. Psalm 73 was written by a dude named Asaph. Asaph uh, was one of the song leaders, and Asaph had issues. He, he looked around at his culture, and he looked around at the world, and he just saw everything unraveling. He saw the unfairness. He saw the injustice. He said, this stinks. None of this makes any sense to me. Why is this all happening like this? And he was coming apart. He didn't understand it all. He writes about it, Psalm 73, verse 2. But as for me, my feet came close to slipping, or stumbling. My steps almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It seems like all the wicked are getting ahead in life. It seems like wicked, wickedness and sin is winning out in the world. 
Verse 16, he says, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. You ever looked at your culture or looked at what's going on around you? It's just troubling. What do you do about that? Go hold up a picket sign? No, I don't think so. He said, God, let me see this from your perspective of who you are. That's what Asaph does, verse 17. Until I came into the sanctuary of God. He said, he went to church. Well, since he went to church, he went to the scriptures and he went to the face of God and said, God, let me understand what I'm going through and what I'm seeing in light of who you are. Every situation in your life may or may not change, but your perspective in it will radically change when you have a clear understanding of who God is. All of them. That's what the Psalms do. They shape our view of God. Let me give you another quick illustration. This was my favorite. You think you had a bad day. Jonah. You know Jonah, the fish guy, right? Jonah chapter 2, Jonah finds himself in the belly of the whale. You say, you really believe that, Pastor Mike? Well, Jesus believed it, and I'm on Team Jesus, so yeah, I believe it. Jonah was in the belly of a whale. He wakes up, he got all the seaweed around him. It's cold, it's stinky, it's dark. He didn't know what's going to happen. Jonah, watch this, life is compressing Jonah in Jonah chapter 2. And do you know what comes out of Jonah's mouth when life compresses him and comes around him and he doesn't know where to turn? Jonah quotes Psalm 18 directly. He says this, he says, and he cried out, I called out in my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried out for help from the depths of Sheol. You heard my voice. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Salvation, deliverance is from the Lord. Jonah was squeezed by life and what came out was the truth of the book of Psalms. When you're squeezed by life, what comes out? What comes out? Whatever's in there is what's going to come out. So the point for us is this is incredibly practical to where you are living, to take whatever situation you're facing and say, okay, God, how do you drop who you are into this situation? My circumstances may not change, but my perspective in it will. Because of who you are. See that? Finally, just a couple more, very quick. The, the Psalms are prayers. And throughout the Psalms, you, you, you have prayers of, of God's people. R.C. Sproul said this. He said, whenever I read the Psalms, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on a saint and having a personal conversation with God. That's what it's like. You, you, you step into David's prayer closet or you step into Asaph's journal or, or Moses' journal. And you, it's as if you're reading their prayers before the Lord. These prayers are prayers of praise and worship. And I'll just say this. We're going to cover this over the next three weeks, but if you're prayer life, if you will, or your conversations with God are dry, stale, and you think they're just anemic, there is nothing greater than to take the Word of God and pray it back to God. Man, it'll transform your soul. Transform your prayer life. Transform your life. These prayers are praise and worship. These prayers are raw emotions. Some of these prayers are laments. I mean, being very honest about how things stink. Psalms are very honest. David, again, Psalm 143 says this. He says, give ear to my supplications. Answer me, Lord, in your faithfulness, your righteousness. Verse 3, see if anybody can relate to this. David says, for the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in a dark place like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart is appalled within me. In other words, David is in a dark place. The Psalms deal with depression. And the Psalms deal with discouragement in, in a very honest way. David cries out here. 
One commentator said the Psalms did not simply express emotions when sung, read, prayed, and meditated on in faith. They actually shape the emotions of the godly. Listen to me. We are emotional creatures. God created us to be emotional creatures. They are glory. They are part of the image of God in us. Your emotions are a very good tool and gift in your life, but your emotions are a cruel master. And your emotions are never intended to be your master. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. In other words, my soul, my emotions want to go a certain way. How do I respond? Do I give in like just being drugged along by emotions? No, I speak the truth of who God is and God's word to my heart, to my emotions. That's what happens in the Psalms. If I can just, we're going to kind of, move into response time here in just a second but let me just just be really honest with you I personally can't imagine my walk with Jesus over the past 15 or 20 years apart from the book of Psalms I'm a pastor and I spend time in God's word I read the whole counsel of God but I'll tell you in my Bible and in my life it is a worn path through the book of Psalms I want that for you I mean, I was telling you, I can't tell you how many days my day begins with looking at the day that's coming and the, the responsibilities and the pressures and the things that I don't know how they're going to turn out. I mean, exactly where you live, where we all live. And man, here's what I need. I can tell you how often I wake up with Psalm 27 that says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I dread? I need that. I can tell you how many times I go to Psalm 16 that says, In your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forever. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed Psalm 119 for myself, for my sons, my daughters, my family, many of you. Lord, will you establish my footsteps in your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. God, don't let me lose the battle with sin. Tell you how many times I've prayed Psalm 18, 19. Man, when I first come across Psalm 18, 19, I think I did a little dance. It says this, He, God, rescues me because He delights in me. In Christ, by grace, it is something you need to hear on a regular basis. The God of heaven delights in you in Christ Jesus. Therefore, you don't have to go pandering and finding delight from everyone else. You find it in your God first. And I want that for you. I want it to be a worn path through the Psalms in your life. We said earlier the Psalms were the song book of Jesus. And when Jesus was poked, if you will, at times, what came out of him were the book of Psalms many times. But I also want you to know the Psalms are ultimately about Jesus. Say, where do you get that from? Luke 24, 44. Here's what Jesus says. He says, now Jesus said unto them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. This is Jesus on the road to Emmaus, post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. He's with some of his disciples. He says, these are my words which I spoke with you while I was still with you. These are all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms might be fulfilled. Jesus has basically given us an understanding of the Psalms. When you read the Psalms, you're going to see over and over and over and over and over arrows that point to 
Jesus over and over and over and over and over. Psalm 22 says there is one coming who will be pierced. Psalm 16 says there is one coming that will go into the grave and he will not undergo decay. He will be resurrected. Psalm 51 says there is one who will provide a covering. He will be my hiding place. The word hiding place means atonement from which I run for sin and I go from sin and I'm covered in his righteousness and his perfection that's throughout the book of Psalms and it points to one who is coming. We now are able to look back and go, he is here. It's Jesus. So the Psalms are the songbook of Jesus, and the Psalms are also about Jesus. And finally, as we as we close, I want to I want to kind of challenge you with this. Okay, with all of that, and that's a lot, and I understand it's an introduction. What is your and my attitude to be as we approach the Psalms over the next few months? This is really important. So very quickly, and we're, we're going to close in just a moment. I want you to look at Psalm 1. I want to read three verses, and I want this to kind of be a, a pathway or a gateway into the Psalms very quickly. And I'm going I'm to point out what is to be our attitude as we go into the Psalms. So I'm going to read this beginning in verse 1. Psalm 1 says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight... His delight is in the law of the Lord. And if you hear that word law and you kind of cringe and you go, just rules and regulations. No, 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 no. The word law there is the word Torah. It means the full counsel of God. All that God has revealed to us in the Scriptures. All of it. He delights in the law, the Word of God, the Scriptures. And in His law, His Word, He meditates day and night. We're going to talk about meditation next week and a few weeks on. We're not, you know, we're not going into a seance. Oh, that's not it. It is that your thoughts are so informed by God's thoughts, you can't even tell the difference. So what comes out of you is truth, not your own best thinking or trusting your own heart. Because guess what? You can't trust your own heart. You can't. Said, man, just, I'm getting all, sorry, I got off on a tangent. All right, here we go. Verse 1, here's what you see as we approach the Psalms. Number 1, you see a person, a man, who particularly is turning from something. He says, the Psalms begin with a negative. Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Does not stand in the path of sinners. Does not sit in the seat of scoffers. In other words, here's a man who realizes the voice that shape his current thinking, the voices that are shaping his direction, and the voices that are shaping his manner of life are not truth. They're not the Word of God. They're from the voices of the culture or from his own twisted thinking. That's you and me. So he says, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the path of sinners, does not sit in the seat of scoffers, but he's running from something, but he's running to something else. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He says, yes, what I want is the word of God to so penetrate my heart and my thoughts and my emotions that there's meditation going on. I can't tell the difference between my thoughts and God's thoughts. My heart and my emotions and the direction of my life, and my manner of life, and all of life. So here's the point. The attitude of Psalm 1, number one, is this. An attitude of humility and an attitude of repentance that says, God, I'm turning from those voices that are shaping me wrongly, and I'm turning to your voice. God, will you shape my heart? This attitude of repentance we've been talking about for several weeks to say, to be honest enough before the Lord, say, Lord, left to myself, my thinking is terrible. (laughs) 
My thinking about you is not true. Left to myself, my thinking about others is not right. Lord, I need your word to inform my perspective, my thinking, my heart. It is Psalm 139 that says, Search me and know me, O God, and reveal anything in my heart that's not right and not in line with you. My emotions, my heart, my thinking, that is humility, that is dependence, that is repentance, no matter how long you've been a Christian. And let me just say this. I don't care how many times you've read the book of Psalms. God would you give us a heart of humility and a heart of dependence that you will shape us? As the team comes on up, we're going to enter into a response time. And we're almost finished. But listen to this. God, will you shape me? And how many of you at the beginning of this series would just be honest and say, Okay, you know what? I'm going to take that little reading plan. Or I'm going to turn it on on my phone, whatever it is, on the app. And I'm going to... I'm going, to, I'm going to try to begin to read God's Word on a regular basis. It's not a part of my life. Maybe it's not a practice. And trust that it will be transformational in your life. Or maybe the place you're currently giving God's words, you know, lip service over here somewhere, but over the next just 30 days. Say, I'm going to turn from some of the voices that I'm surrounded by. I'm going to fix my phone so that I don't get all the notifications from Facebook. Maybe I can use an app that when I look at my phone, I'll see God's Word. That would transform your life. You say, what's the result? Verse 3, and we'll close with this. It says, verse 3, he or she will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season its leaf does not wither and whatsoever they do they prosper meaning there's that imagery again the writer could just say you'll be blessed or he could say no 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 picture this tree by this living stream of water and I want you to picture it in all the seasons picture it in a time of drought but it's healthy picture it in a time of plenty man and it's leaf doesn't wither it's bearing fruit it continues to grow in all the seasons of life why? because beneath that tree there is a network of roots that goes down deep and taps into that living source that's next to it it's like this you will grow, you will bear fruit, you will be prosperous, and you will know blessing if there is a line directly from your heart, your soul, into the living Word of God. You'll bear fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. It's a picture of prosperity, blessedness. And by the way, we'll talk more about this in a couple weeks. The Bible never says you find blessedness by seeking blessedness. Do you know that? It's not the way it works. You find prosperity and blessedness, fruitfulness, by seeking the source of it, God himself. And God, you're enough. If you bless me, fine. If you don't, fine. But I'm satisfied in you. That's the picture of Psalm 1. See? So why don't you bow your head with me for just a minute. I'm going to ask you just to respond to this right there in your heart for, for just a second. We're going to stand and sing, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a church family in just a moment. But right there in your heart before the Lord, right there in your seat start off this series, would you be has the Spirit stirred in your heart enough this morning for you to say, Lord God, would you shape my thinking God, you're not like me God, in my own thinking I try to make you like me and I, Lord, maybe I even worship a God of my own creation rather than a God of Scripture would you depend 
enough to say with the psalmist, Lord, search my heart, test my mind, know me, Lord, and reveal any hurtful way in me. God, reveal anything in my heart that I'm holding on to that's not true. something like God would you shape me over the next few weeks and months as I pursue you not by myself in community with my life group with my church together God shape me over the next few weeks for your glory Jesus we love you thank you for your truth thank you for Lord just making yourself known revealing yourself to us we love you in Christ's name we pray together amen would you stand let's sing together Song of Responses, our team leads.